scoreless skid is over, and so too is the long winless run. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. I am Franco Panizo, one part of the hosting team of this podcast, the number one podcast on all things Inter-Miami, bringing you the latest news, analysis, opinions, updates, insight, and a lot more. And joining me today is none other than Jose Armando. Jose, how are you doing today on this fine Friday? Happy Friday, brother. Happy Friday, Franco. It's <laughs> a lot of energy I'm there, man. Really, really well. I'm still happy because I think Inter-Miami fans deserve that win. We will talk about it, but just to get started, very excited and happy to talk about positive things. Yeah, it's good news this time around. Inter-Miami finally won a game, and you could tell on Wednesday night and even going into Thursday just how different of a mood there was around the team. You know, we heard music blasting through the the thin walls at to Drive Pink Stadium from the locker room, and everyone had, well, not everyone, but mostly everyone had a smile on their face from fans to, you know, the team to just people that work at the club, and just it was just a completely different different vibe and atmosphere. So we'll touch on that game against Toronto FC. We're also going to preview. Saturday's game against FC Cincinnati, another important one for Inter-Miami as they continue to try to keep their season alive. So we're recording this on Friday evening, so not a whole lot of time between when we record and when the next game happens. So there's a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. So Jose, let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. Okay, Jose, so Inter-Miami got back to winning ways. It ended a franchise record-tying losing streak by defeating Toronto FC 3-0 to on Wednesday night at Drive Pink Stadium. We were both in attendance. So was Steven Primo Brenner, who is not here on this pod. But, you know, the Miami Total Football Radio team was in attendance on, on Wednesday night in full force. And we witnessed, just like everybody else did, a 3-0 victory. The biggest victory in Inter-Miami history. And it was a pretty convincing victory, right? Because they scored in the 10th minute through Federico Higuain. They get a second goal right before halftime off of a corner kick at long last from Christian McCoon. So they've ended that streak of not having any goals off of corner kicks. And then they get another goal off of a corner kick. Yes, you guys heard that correctly. And no, your speakers are not breaking. Inter Miami scored two goals, two goals off two corner kicks in Wednesday's game. And the second one comes off an own goal from Eric Zavaleta. It looked initially like Lewis Morgan might have scored it, but... It was credited to Eric Zavaleta, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the ball bounced off of his back and went into the Toronto FC goal. A win at last, Jose, a win at last. Before we just dive into all the the X's and O's and talk a little bit more just about the 90 minutes and the performance, a win at last. How good is this for Inter-Miami fans? How good is this just for the overall mood and vibe, as we mentioned in in the intro, for the state of the team after such a frustrating run of results well i think it's important because you know first off it keeps the hopes alive right you know it's a long shot for for inter miami to make it to the playoffs but as long as you have a chance um you know it gives you one more week of watching results around the league and hoping for another win over the weekend and you know it just when you are a real fan you you're you basically have the same mentality that that feel has been talking about in the last two to three weeks, right? You know, when when you still have a shot at making to the players, you never give up. And so, 
Um, that gives you one more week or just a few days, I guess, more because it's a quick turnaround. But, you know, overall, I think it's it's good for for the team to get a win. If it's the last one of the year, then let's hope, let's be let's let that happen the way it happens because you have to understand right now that Inter Miami is struggling, and whenever you get an opportunity to celebrate, you just take it and, and embrace it. So before we dive into everything, because I agree with everything you said there, this is a question that has to be asked: How much stock do you put into not the win because the win was a well-earned win, but the performance overall? And is this a sign of Inter Miami improving that much? Or is it a sign of just how bad Toronto FC is right now? They are below Inter-Miami in the standings in the Eastern Conference, and they've been already knocked out of playoff elimination. They had That was already the case going into the game, and they fielded a, a couple of young players in that game, two teenagers. So how much stock do we have to put into the fact that they played against a Toronto FC team that's already eliminated and that has been pretty poor and has really nothing to play for? Uh, listen, that's an interesting question, and... Um... Um, my personal take with, with that is, you know, I think you go back to the performance from the team. And I think they, they had a very good game. They had a very good game knowing that you're facing a team that, you know, you're you're supposed to win against Toronto FC. Yes. But at the same time, you're a team that's not in a good run before this game. Six, six games that, honestly, you know, it, it was really hard to watch in Miami. And so, um, you you don't have to take anything for granted if you're if you're Phil and if you're uh, the the group of players. So you take a good performance, you get the three points, and it's also important to know that Toronto FC they are having a bad bad year right now, but they have quality players. So Teldo is a quality player, Posuelo is a quality player, Bradley. Well, you know he's still trying, and he might be able to get you. 10 to 15 minutes that could end up making a difference in a game. So they have quality within the team. Uh, overall, you know, just take the win and take the performance from the team. So I would say you do have to put some stock into the fact that this is Toronto FC. Like I said, Inter-Miami, it's a welcome development that they won a game. It's welcome how they played. I do think that they have merit in how they played to some extent. But it also has to be taken into consideration that they played a very, very poor Toronto FC team. Now, like you mentioned, they, Toronto FC does have some pretty good talent on that team. You have Fresen Soteldo, Alejandro, Alejandro Pozuelo, both started. Soteldo didn't last that long, though. He only lasted about midway through the first half before he came out with, uh, with an injury. So that took away their, their real firepower. And Josie Altador came in in the second half, but he didn't make much of a, much of a difference, so... It's, it's not a great Toronto FC team, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Inter-Miami's best two games this season have come against Toronto FC, right? Because before this game, if you had to point your finger up what was Inter-Miami's best performance and best result this year, you would probably, I imagine, would pick the 3-1 to victory over Toronto FC back in August, right? Because I think that at that point, that was Inter-Miami's first multi-goal victory in its history, and now they've got they posted their their biggest win ever with the three to zero victory. So it has to be taken into consideration that it is a very bad Toronto FC team in my opinion. But Inter Miami can only play the opponent it has in front of it, and Inter Miami took care of business in that regard, and it did so in convincing convincing fashion. What was your biggest takeaway from the game for uh, from an Inter Miami 
perspective or an Inter Miami viewpoint. Well, I think uh, we all can agree to this. It's the formation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, that was something that we we have been talking about um, in the pod, and we also ask Phil quite a few times. You know, if if at some point, you know, it, it was something that the team will require for him to modify um, his system. And if I'm not mistaken, three times Phil mentioned in a press conference, it's not about the system. It's about the players, the individual errors. That's what's lacking right now. Well, you know, I'm glad to see that, you know, he was able to, um, he was able to, to, to modify his thoughts a little bit because the changing of the formation was was a big deal. That's that's something that changed, I think, the energy within the stadium, within the players. And, of course, it comes with a little bit of risk, Franco. And um, if, if we want to be happy about uh, the outcome of the game, we also have to recognize that Toronto had a couple of opportunities early in the game. If, mm-hmm. And if they're able to capitalize on one of those two, Maybe the conversation is completely different right now, but with playing with Ford in the back and with that formation, you have to understand that the team will move forward better, but that also they will they will be vulnerable in the back. So you know it's a give and take against Toronto. It worked. Later on, we'll talk about Cincinnati, but let me tell you, I think it will work again if he's able to put the same formation back again over the weekend. So I, I think I agree with you there that the formation is the biggest talking point, and you, you can just see how much more free someone like Lewis Morgan felt with not having to have so many defensive responsibilities and being being up in a more advanced position playing as a winger. He played. He started on the left side. Let's go through the lineup really quickly here before we dive further into this. This was the starting lineup for Inter Miami on Wednesday night. Nick Marsman in goal. The back four from right to left, starting with your right back, was Kelvin Leardem in his more natural position or in his natural position. The center back pairing was Leandro Gonzalez Pires and Christian McCoon. And the left back was Breck Shea. The, the midfield duo was Gregory and Jay Chapman. Blaise Matuidi was dropped from the lineup for this one. Your more advanced midfield line, your second line of midfielders, were Indiana Vasilev on the right, Federico Higuain at the 10, and Lewis Morgan on the left. Up top, you had Gonzalo Higuain as the lone striker. So that was the formation Inter Miami went with, and it worked tremendously for this team. And I think it's something that they've needed to do for a few games now, you know, in the fiery podcast that we recorded earlier this week, it's it was one of my criticisms of Phil Neville in recent matches during this during this poor run of form, the six game losing streak is that, you know, he was forcing square pegs into round holes, you know, just just to have a saying, by playing players out of position, like Kelvin Leardam, who was showing that he was not able to perform to the to that level or to the level that was required at center back in that five man backline. And Lewis Morgan was also a shell of himself. I, I use that that exact phrase. He was a shell of himself at right wing back in Inter Miami. Needed something, needed to change things because it simply wasn't working. They weren't scoring goals and they were giving up goals and losing games. So clearly the the repeated nature of the of the system and of the tactics I thought needed to be fine tuned. Glad that to see that it did and that it was effective. Jose, do you think Phil Neville took too long to make this realization? 
or do you think it, yeah. it's, it's just a product of, of the situations, the moments? Because we know el fútbol es de momentos. Soccer is a game that's about moments, not not even just the 90 minutes over the course of a season. It's all about moments. But do you think Phil Neville took too long to realize that he needed to move out of that five-man backline if he didn't have the personnel available for it? Well, yes, I think it took too long. But listen, there, there's always a thought process behind um, the decisions when it comes to when it comes to formations, and and this is what I'm thinking. You know, uh, not as an excuse, but you you know, if, if you want to be a, a, on field field um, position, why wouldn't he do it before? Uh, there are two things that come to mind. First, uh, to have that formation, um, I think. Fede Wayne is a key player. And um, can you put Fede Wayne for four matches in a row out there to play 60, 70, 75 minutes? I don't think you can do that. So th that's that's the first thing. And second, you're facing teams that um, are a lot better offensively than Toronto. So if you expose yourself in the back and you can see two to three goals or two goals, that's, that's not great drama here Two goals <laughs> in the first in the first half are you going to be able to come back i don't think inter miami even with that formation is going to be a team that is going to score three or four goals they they have not been the team so um that's my thought process on that but i i do believe that it, it, you know you, you had a better chance especially early on in games if you have more of an attack-minded uh, attack team. So, you know, it's a give and take. Again, I'm telling you this because it could happen uh, uh, tomorrow night. You know, you have a good performance on Wednesday, but you're, you're going to concede opportunities to the opponent. And it's going to happen if you remain playing with a 4-2-3-1. Because Inter-Miami is one team defensively with five in the back, and it's another team with four in the back. It's only one player, but the responsibilities for the center backs, and especially with Brekshire as a left back, you know, you leave a gap there. And so, you know, it, it could work on Wednesday. It did work on Wednesday, but things can change on Saturday. You just have to play with the risk. And, and of course, with the position that Inter-Miami is in right now, you kind of have to do it because you have to win games. You know, it's not about you need to draw on the road and to win at home and you can take the risk at home, but not on the road. Nah, right now it's too late. You have to win the, the remaining schedule. So that's why I agree. That last part is why I agree with you that I think Phil Noble took too long to make this change. I think this change was needed earlier. And I get, like you said, to the point, because look, we have our way of viewing things from the outside, but we also try to put ourselves in the coach's shoes and see his reasoning or his rationale. And I understand wanting to stick with the five-man backline because that is what gave Inter-Miami its best run of form this season. But when you're seeing the results and you're seeing the performances, I think along that way of that six-game losing streak, it, the change should have come sooner, especially given the situation Inter-Miami was in. You're absolutely right that playing away from home against some good attacking teams or some teams that have some good attacking power like Atlanta United, like the Portland Timbers, like the Columbus Crew, switching the formation and being more attack-minded will leave you more exposed and could get you in trouble. But Inter-Miami was in a situation like it is still now where it needs to, it needed to pick up points and it needed to win games and it needed to, to try to go for it. 
and we didn't see that. We didn't see that until this game, and we finally did get to see it in this game, and when I saw the lineup, you know, I, I said out loud, you know, finally, and I was happy to see the lineup, and I was, I, I even tweeted it out beforehand. No matter how this game plays out, you know, kudos to Phil Neville for making the change, because this, they had to go for it. They had to go for it, and they've been needing to have to go for it, but they finally went for it. They were they came out in an attacking posture in that four two three one, and it just it just worked out really well. Obviously, Toronto FC again, you have to take that into consideration. But Kelvin Leardam was much better. I thought his performance levels were much better. He was he was better than he's been for much of the last few weeks. He got forward well. He finished with a, a very high passing accuracy completion rate. So he looked good. Lewis Morgan also looked good. Federico Higuain came in there and, and helped generate more attacking sequences and better attacking sequences. Ma football, as we say in Spanish. So I thought the, the switch to the 4-2-3-1 was, was a very welcome one and a very productive one. Now the challenge, which we'll talk about in the next segment, is do they keep that going into the match against FC Cincinnati? Because Leandro Gonzalez Pires picked up a yellow card in this game in the second half. And that rules him out of the FC Cincinnati match because of yellow card accumulation. So a big blow for Inter Miami, who's already reeling, who's missing Nicolas Figal, who's missing uh, Ryan Shawcross. Ventura Alvarado is training again, but he's he's not there yet. He's getting close though. So uh, let, let's let's keep on the formation or at least on the personnel because Federico Higuain came in and made a big impact in my opinion. Not only does he score the winner. He helped set up the the third and final goal with a pretty good delivery from the left. What did you think about his performance there? He lasted until that goal, that third goal. After that, Phil Neville pulled him and Gonzalo Higuain. He took he took them out of the game to to keep them try as fresh as possible for this weekend. So, what did you think about the performance Federico Higuain put forth at the number ten role on Wednesday? I think it was it was a great performance. Um, you know that. Uh, I think it's it's similar to what we have seen throughout um, Federico's career. You know, just overall a quality player. Um, uh, he's he's the type of player that will make everybody else around him better. And um, I think even his own brother, which you know, obviously we know he he played at a higher level, Pipita. Um, but I think you know Pipita is a lot more comfortable around him. And um, there's a level of trust that uh, Phil talked about it this this morning. But I would like to refer to the fact that Pipita is so comfortable inside the box when his brother is around. Yeah, you can see he, it. You can see it. He doesn't even he doesn't even attempt to go to the middle of the field. And so um, that's an element that is out of reach and out of control for Fede Iwain but that he brings to the table, and that absolutely. is very important for Inter Miami. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with that 100%. We're agreeing a lot on this pod. Last last one, we were disagreeing quite a bit with uh, with Primo, but I agree with you 100% because not only does Federico Iguain come in and generate more soccer, you know, that's that's how you stay in Spanish, genera más fútbol. I don't know if that translates exactly in English, so you know, maybe generates more attacking sequences with his movement, the way he's able to find pockets of space and drift in and out. He, he the way he passes very quickly with one or two touch passes. He doesn't he doesn't dawdle on the ball a whole lot. He keeps the ball flowing and moving and getting everybody involved. So he links the team together quite a bit. But not only does he do that, he also has that X factor that you just mentioned in that 
maybe you get a little bit more as a team out of Gonzalo Higuain when Federico Higuain is on the field because Gonzalo Higuain stays in higher positions. He he puts in as much effort as, as you've seen or as we've seen from him in terms of, of running after the ball or trying to make runs in behind. You know, uh, Gonzalo Higuain did get the assist. This, is, this doesn't have to do with Federico Higuain directly, obviously, but Gonzalo Higuain gets the assist on the on the goal to Christian McCoon. Uh, on the on the corner kick right before halftime that gives Inter Miami a two to zero lead. Much different to have a two to zero lead, obviously, than having a one to zero lead going into the halftime. So, I agree with you fully in that regard, and I think that obviously Federico is in an advanced age in his career. He's thirty six, if I'm not mistaken. But if if you can try to get as much out of him as possible during this final stretch, I think that will give you a chance to. To win some games, to win some games and thrill, which is what they did. They thrilled the the fans at Drive Pink Stadium, which they had not done in a long, long time. So, you know, if if, if Federico Iguain's body says yes, he can go again on Saturday, I fully expect him to start. Then obviously there's another quick turnaround before the Wednesday game, and then another one next Saturday. So it's it's a very tight turnaround. I don't expect that we'll see Federico Iguain start in all four of them, but if you can get him to start two or three. Then, then you know, I think that that that's a good approach, and and that's getting the most out of out of Federico Iguain. So definitely a plus for Inter Miami to have him on the field. Quickly, just want to touch on the corner kick goal because obviously something that has been a talking point with this team for much of the past two years. Something that I've asked Phil Neville and different players at different points of the season about their struggles. There, they finally score one. Gonzalo Iguain whips in a corner kick from the left. It takes a bounce. And it finds Christian McCoon at the back post. He controls it and then shoots it low and into the bottom right corner. A good goal. El Dinosaurio celebration ensued. The dinosaur celebration. And he was named to the team of the week. Christian McCoon was after that. So a good a good week for Christian McCoon. Helped post a shutout and gets a goal. He almost scored another one in the second in the in the second half of another corner kick. He finds the ball and, and smacked it towards the frame, but uh, Alex Bono makes a, makes a good save there. So what do you think about Inter Miami finally getting that, that monkey off their back and finally scoring off of a corner kick at long last? Well, that's that's always good, right? Because I, I do believe, Phil, when he when he's saying that, you know, they do work a lot on set pieces. Because, you know, that, of course, that that's a must in every team. Right, no doubt, but, no doubt. So, uh, I mean, it, it's great to see. It's great to see the, the players have a reward finally for uh, for the work that they have been putting out all year long. Um, it's maybe a little bit too late, but, you know, it's always good that it happens. I want to give props as well to, to Christian Macoun because I have said before in the pod that I do believe he's a better defender with five in the back than with four. Yeah. But... I think on Wednesday he had a good performance and well, he carries on the responsibility for tomorrow because like you mentioned, there, there are a few players out. So, uh, but I, I want to give him props, not only because of the goal, because, you know, he, I mean, that's, that's part of the job, of course, because as he moves forward on set pieces, he becomes an option to score. But I think defensively he was, he was good uh, on Wednesday and, and, you know, I think it's a good reward overall for the whole team, not only for him to score on a set-piece opportunity. I think that's good for confidence, and, and we'll see if they can keep it going. Absolutely, it's good for confidence, and the win on Wednesday was good for confidence in general. I agree with you there. See, we're agreeing a lot. That Christian McCoon, from what I've seen, right, from what I've seen in this last two seasons, I think he's better with five at the back than four at the back. He did hold up very well 
on Wednesday night against Toronto FC. I'm curious to see if he can repeat that against FC Cincinnati because when he has a little bit more space to cover, I've seen him have issues. So, you know, tomorrow, assuming he's going to start next to Ayman Mabika, which we'll get to again in the next segment, we have to see how, how he holds up there because, you know, it's he's going to need to, to have a very big performance for Inter-Miami to have a chance at pulling out the three points and staying within reach. Speaking of being within reach, let's just quickly break it down for... Anyone who, who might not be caught up, Inter-Miami, with that win on Wednesday night, moved to within six points of the final spot, the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Now, six points doesn't seem like, you know, maybe it does seem like a lot, but it's, you know, it's two games and they have four left in the year. But you have to imagine that those other teams are not going to just continue to drop points uh, every single week or every single match. So Inter-Miami's probably going to have to win out, and they know that. They said that. They said as much on Wednesday night. They said as much today during the pregame press conferences. They know that they have to win out four games, four wins. That's all they can do. The rest is out of their control. But to give themselves the best chance, they have to They have to win out. Clearly, they'll have some confidence going into the weekend after defeating Toronto FC. So that's definitely a good bit of news. Jose, anything else you want to add about this game before we put it in the rearview mirror? Anything about the formation or about the system? Anything at all? with regards to to what we saw on Wednesday night? Well, just just to add a little bit to what you mentioned early on about Lewis Morgan having a good performance playing in his position, I think the same, we, we, we need to say, uh, at least give a mention to, to Leardam as well, because, you know, he has gotten a lot of criticism playing as a center back, you know, we have seen quite a few mistakes, but playing as a right back, his natural position, I think he did a good job on Wednesday. And so I think we shouldn't forget him as well and give him credit for a good performance. So I will add that I also really liked Phil Neville's decision to drop Blaze Matuidi from the lineup and bring in Jay Chapman. Now, Jay Chapman only lasted through the first half, had to be removed at halftime because of an injury he picked up or he sustained. And... Blaise Matuidi came in in the second half, and I saw a Blaise Matuidi that was as defensively engaged and solid as I've seen maybe since he joined Inter Miami. He made he made a few interventions defensively, and that's a welcome sight. It's a welcome bit of news for Inter Miami, especially if he's going to have to start tomorrow if Jay Chapman cannot go. So that's definitely a, a talking point for me. And also Gregory, Gregory had I thought he had a very good game. And when I looked at the numbers, he had a whopping, and I could be, I might be off on the exact number, but he had, a, I think, 109 touches, 109 touches, which is, which was far and away the biggest number for Inter-Miami in this one by, from an Inter-Miami player. So he was very involved uh, in terms of with the ball and in terms of making stops on, on the other end as well. So a great performance from Gregory and a, and a very good performance from pretty much the entire team, again. For my money, the best performance Inter-Miami has ever, ever had in its short history. Do you agree with that? I do agree. I do agree. I think, well, you know, the thing is that, you know, when, when the team wins, uh, it, it's it's hard to find a player that, you know, didn't have, a, didn't have a good game. I think, you know, if we had to look for one, it's going to be hard and we have to go back and watch video of the game. Well, I, I, go, so back. I go back and watch you. it. I go back and watch We're a second so time. Used to this team winning in the last month or two that you know, 
we're just taking over every single player and <laughs> and pointing out the positives, which you know it's great. And and I'm I'm guessing the fans are enjoying this a lot because you know we, we are we tell you the truth here. So you know if if they end up losing the game four nil on, on Saturday. You know, we're going to call it like it is. And Absolutely. so I, I think people are going to enjoy this. But, you know, it, it's just a part of winning games. When you have when you win, you know, that's that's a different atmosphere. I think I, I sense that as I was coming out of the stadium and, and I'm sure a lot of people understand the situation that Inter Miami is in when it comes to the playoffs. But just the fact that you watched a good performance, that you get three points, you know, it's just it's just different. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, obviously when you win, that usually means that performance levels across the, the, the collective were better on the whole. Obviously there's different performance levels. Some players played better than others, but normally when you win, normally, that means that most of your players or a lot of your players played well. So, you know, if, if you had to nitpick the performance and I rewatched the game a second time, I would say Indiana Vasilev was, was fairly quiet there in the, from the starting lineup. And Breck Shea had a much more tactical shift in this one where he had to be a little bit more of a stay-at-home left back due to Kelvin Leardam bombing up the right side. So Brecce didn't get forward as much. I think that was by tactical design. I think it, it was just part of, of, film, levels, of uh, film Level's game plan because he, he said it in the post-game press conference, something about not having both fullbacks push up at the same time because they just don't have the, the defensive solidity to... to be able to afford that so it's it's about balancing it out having one go and one stay and we saw Kelvin Leardam go quite a bit whereas Brecce stayed a bit further back so he locked down his flank he locked down that 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 wing Brecce did but obviously he didn't get forward as much and I think that was by tactical design so he didn't have as big of an impact although again he defensively he did he did his job Jose let's take a quick break we'll come back after this to preview the next game against FC Cincinnati We'll do that after this. I thought it's it's time to put them in the best positions. We, we've been we've been we've been covering the holes a little bit, covering up the cracks, and now it's time to put them in the best positions. And I felt that uh, those players, you think about Kelvin's performance tonight, you think about Lewis's performance tonight, you, you know, you think about they were back to their probably best. They look freer, uh, you know. And and Saturday gives us another problem. Saturday gives us another problem without really. We've got Christian McCoon as our only centre-back, so you're thinking about maybe Blaise Matuidi, maybe Breck Shea. You may have to go to the three at the back as well just to give us that extra bit of uh, experience, but we'll see. We'll see. Whoever plays, will. Uh, I'm sure we'll be up for the challenge. Okay, Jose, so no rest for the weary. Inter-Miami is back at it again on Saturday, and they take on FC Cincinnati, another struggling team in the Eastern Conference. And it'll be at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Inter-Miami will be looking for the three points. I imagine they'll be going for it as well. They do have the loss of Leandro Gonzalez-Pires due to yellow card accumulation. That combined with the absences of Nicolas Figal, Ryan Shawcross, Ventura Alvarado being on demand. That leaves Inter-Miami in a predicament when it comes to the back line. Because right now their only natural center back option on the MLS roster on the Inter-Miami roster is Christian McCoon, who spoke today to us during the pregame press conference. I have reported, and I believe it has now been announced, I reported earlier today that Inter-Miami was trying to get Aimee Mabika on the roster on a temporary basis, again, via use of the MLS Extreme Hardship Rule, which allows you to 
add players to the roster on a temporary basis after the roster freeze deadline when you have 16 available field players, which is the case for Inter-Miami right now. Jose, let's start there because that is probably the biggest talking point going into this match for Inter-Miami. Do you think that they stick with a back four or do you think that they go to a back five because of the absences that they have at the back, because of the the lack of ex- overall experience that they're going to have at that back. I mean, Mubika made his MLS debut just earlier this month, so he's a young player. He showed well in that game against the Red Bulls, but he, he was part of a five-man back line there. Christian McCoon, also another young player who still learning the position as well. He wasn't always a center back. He's, he's played defensive midfielder. That He's been playing center back this season, so... What do you think Phil does, and what would you do if you were the head coach? Well, I, I, I think, you know, listen, you have to stay with four in the back. You're facing the last last place in the Eastern Conference. There's no reason for you to be hesitant about, um, about the work that both of these players can do defensively, talking about uh, Mavika and, um, and Makun. They are young, of course, yes, but you know this is a game in which you can actually take risks and leave those two guys in there and just honestly concentrate on how many goals you're going to score against Cincinnati. Because if you score four goals, let me tell you, it's going to be really hard for Cincinnati to score five. So just be aggressive. Be aggressive. You know, know who you're facing. You're playing at home. Dictate the tempo. You know, the conditions should be favorable for Inter-Miami. So forget about the defensive side. Let those young guys enjoy the game. Listen, for Mavica, playing in MLS right now is a dream come true. So, you know, let him have fun on the field. Don't put pressure on him. Just let Iguain, let Morgan let the attacking players take control of the game. And whenever he gets an opportunity to play a factor in the game, let that be two, three times in 90 minutes. Don't concentrate on, a, on him having that responsibility to take on the opportunities for Inter-Miami to win this game. No, this is about Inter-Miami scoring and Inter-Miami securing points and not about worrying what Cincinnati brings to the table. Inter-Miami should be the better team and they should show that on the field tomorrow night. So that shouldn't be a problem. That shouldn't be an, shouldn't be an excuse not having LGP available. I think you stay with Ford in the back. It worked on Wednesday and it should work again tomorrow night. So I agree with you that I think that's what Inter-Miami is going to do. And I think that is what, you know, I would do as well. There, I do have real questions, though, as to Ayman Mabika and Christian McCoon as a center-back tandem that has never worked together really before. They haven't played in a game together because that game that Ayman Mabika made his MLS debut in, Christian McCoon wasn't around for. He was with Venezuela's national team. So they practically have zero chemistry together and... You need that understanding between center backs. You need that that tandem to know when to cover for one another and how to cover for one another and, and the movements that they make, etc., etc. So I think I think that it is going to be... I think that's the key to the game is how they do, is how I'm going to be and Christian McCoon hold up. Because I think you'll get chances and I think you're going to score goals in the 4-2-3-1 or you'll score at least one goal. But it's about, for me in this one, how the defense holds up without a veteran presence back there to to really help out and lead lead that defensive line 
because again, I, you know, just from my from my viewpoint, my point of view, I've already said that I think Christian McCoon is better in a five man defense than a four man defense because I think when he has more space to cover, he has issues. The, from what I've seen of Ayman Mabika and from what I saw in that game against the New York Red Bulls, which again, I thought he had a good overall game, but there were moments when he had to cover more space where I saw some issues and some struggles. So in a four-man backline, I could see them both having a little bit more difficulty and it just depends on how they hold up tomorrow against FC Cincinnati. Obviously, FC Cincinnati is the last place team. So, you know, I don't, I don't, you don't go to five at the back. You have to go for it because you need the, you need goals, you need the wins. But I have questions about how that, that about how that defense is going to hold up. But what's, what is the key to the game for you? What's the key? What does Inter Miami have to do to win this game? Well, attack. That's the key to the game for me. Attack with no regards. Attack. Score two, three, four goals, as many goals as possible, as quickly as possible. Just attack. Know that you're facing the last place. I mean, honestly, this is the time for Inter Miami to be as aggressive as they can. To me, there's no excuse. And well, you said and, you said it yourself, though. You said it yourself in 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 the previous segment about the the game against Toronto FC. Because before Inter Miami scored, there was a decent chance that I believe Patrick Mullins got for Toronto FC in the box off of a cross, if I'm not mistaken, from Jefferson Soteldo, and and he shoots it too close to Nick Marsman, but a better striker could have put that away and Inter Miami would have been in a hole. So Yeah, I, mean, I give more credit to Toronto because of the players they have in Cincinnati, okay. honestly. And they have good players as well. Cincinnati, they, they do have good players. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say they, they don't have any talent. But I give more credit to Toronto. I think if Toronto, if they score early, they put you in trouble. And, 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 and to that point, let, let me play this scenario for you. Sure. If you play with five in the back, not, not that you're saying that they will play with five in the back, but if you're playing with five in the back and Cincinnati scores on you early on, what then? You go, you change the tactics and, and you now put four again yeah. uh, in the back. And why wait until Cincinnati scores for you to become the, the aggressor here? Right. I, I think there's no reason to do that. Right. So I say go with four in the back. And just attack from the get-go. From the whistle, go and, and look for the first goal. And I think that's that's what they should do. You know, do not give a reason, uh, Cincinnati a reason to believe that they can actually win the game tomorrow night. Or even tie a game. Because tying a game is like losing for Inter-Miami at this point. So, you know, just attack. That's that's the key to the game for me. Okay. Well, I agree with you that I think they'll stick with that four-man back line. With Kelvin Leardam, you know, he, he looked good there at right back. Lewis Morgan looked good on the wing. So I don't think that they'll they'll revert from that at this point, given that they both both of those players raised their levels and you need goals and you need the team to function better, which it did on Wednesday night. So I think Phil Neville will stick with that with that with the same four two three one formation. However, look, it has to be noted. This has to be noted, and something we didn't touch on in the last segment. Inter Miami scored three goals on Wednesday. Two came off of Dead ball situations, which they haven't scored on for much of this season. They had one free kick goal before that from Iguain to Iguain, and then zero corner kick goals before that. So obviously commendable and, and notable for them. And that their opening goal comes off of uh, a, a strike from Federico Iguain that's created in part because Federico Iguain is in an advanced position, and then Alex Bono, the Toronto FC goalkeeper, makes a very errant pass. So 
Inter Miami didn't score from itself generating plays against Toronto FC on Wednesday. It didn't generate you know, those chances until late on when Toronto FC just threw numbers forward completely and had you know two, three defenders back and Robbie Robinson and Julian Carranza and Rolfo Pizarro came in and you know it wasn't until the end where you saw some chance some real good chances from the run of play for Inter Miami and they obviously weren't able to put them away but it, it didn't matter because of the the, the game being uh, out of hand already or being in Inter Miami's favor already by a three to zero margin so even in this four two three one formation which I agree that they'll go to I agree that they're going to look to attack there still needs to be some things that have to be cleaned up because we didn't see a whole lot of clear cut chances from the run of play during the first. I don't know, 50, 60 minutes of the game. Now, what do you think Phil Neville does with the rest of the lineup? We think it's going to be, or maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but we think it'll be Nick Marsman in goal, Kelvin Leardam, and probably Breck Shea at the fullback spots. I'm in Mabika and Christian McCoon as your center back pairing. But what about the rest of the field? What about that first midfield line? What about that second midfield line? And what about up top? I mean, I think we both think it's going to be Gonzalo Higuain. But that midfield, let's let's stick with those two midfield lines. That midfield five. Is it Gregory and Blaise Matuidi, given Jay Chapman's injury? Or do you think maybe they'll they'll get Jay Chapman and try to push through? Because he picked up the injury about midway through the first half, and he soldiered on, and you know, kudos to him that he, he made it to halftime because he was grimacing and showing signs of, of pain throughout the first half, but he stuck through it and fought through it and, and made it to halftime. So do you think it'll be Gregory and Blaise Matuidi? And... Uh, above that, do you think it'll be the same that we saw in Toronto FC? Yeah, I think Blaze is going to be back in the starting lineup just because even if Jay is close to um, getting back in there, I think he, you just have to be a little bit cautious with him knowing that you have two more games next week, again Wednesday and Saturday. So I think you give Blaze a chance there. And um, I think Feather will start again. Honestly, because remember that they both uh, the the Iguain brothers came out, you know, fairly early in the game, as it was decided. And um, I think they should start again. I would say Lewis uh, on the right, and um, I don't know. I, I agree with you that Indiana. I, I'm. Uh, I don't know if he gets another chance there. He might. He might be able to get it. Maybe we we'll get. I think he gets done. another chance. I think he'll get another chance. I think the team functioned well enough that he that he gets the start. And Phil Neville said today, when you have the two Iguains, Gonzalo at the nine and Federico at the ten, that you need speed on the wings. That you need the speed because those those two players obviously aren't aren't the fastest, right? So you need speed on the wings. So. I think it'll be Indiana Vasilev and uh, on the right, Lewis Morgan on the left. Now, Robbie Robinson did not start in the midweek match, and he's questionable for this this weekend because of, well, Phil Neville said today very candidly, very openly, that Robbie Robinson has a stomach flu and has diarrhea. So he's a question mark for Saturday's game. He could be an option if he's, you know, if he's feeling better by then, but I, I imagine that we'll see the same midfield minus Jay Chapman. I think Blaise Matuidi comes in for Jay Chapman just due to the injury. Although, you know, if Jay Chapman can go, if there's any chance he can go, I know you said you take into consideration the the upcoming games, but I think you start him. If he's able to play, you start him because you can't you can't think about the next games when you have when you have to win this game, right? There's no tomorrow if you don't win today. So I don't think I don't think you save him. That's just but that's just my my personal opinion. 
from the outside. And I, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm about to say this, but um, it's not a huge difference if you put Blaze or Jay in the middle. I don't know about no? that. I don't. I think I think we're going to disagree there. I think I think Chapman gives you more. I think Chapman gives you more than Blaze Matuidi does. Blaze Matuidi, look, he has the experience, the resume. Uh, and all of that, but just from his performance levels, I don't on a consistent basis. It just hasn't been good enough, man. It just hasn't been good enough. And Jay Chapman, he has his own limitations, but you know I like what I saw from him on on Wednesday, and I think he gives you more than Blaze Matuidi does. If Blaze Matuidi yeah, could play up to the player he was, breaker. well, no, you know it, he's not a deal breaker. If you're telling me Gregory will not start, then. Yeah. No, no, I but mean, it's not. It's not about it being a deal breaker. It's about the defensive. You know what? What does you know, Blaze Matuidi is just so poor defensively, so regularly. He just lacks that defensive awareness. That I think Jay Chapman, even though he's not the best defender either, he gives you a little bit more because he doesn't have those lapses in concentration that Blaze Matuidi tends to have. So I think Jay Chapman gives you a bit more right now. You know, with the ball, he's also pretty solid and he passed well in this game. He he fed. Federico Higuain in the second minute with a nice through pass and it led to a goal, but it was called back for offside against Toronto FC. So, you know, I think there is a drop off from Jay Chapman to Blaze Matuidi. Uh, I, I would start Jay Chapman, you know, Phil Neville said he's 60-40. If he can go, I think you start him because I think he gives you more with the ball and even without the ball at this point because, you know, you say, you've said it all the time and I think we're, we have this same belief in terms of how we view the game. There's different ways to view the game, obviously, and how, how to play it. But you can defend with the ball and without the ball. And with Jay Chapman on the field, I think Inter Miami is also better with the ball and can defend themselves in that way by knocking it around and creating attacking sequences. All right, let's disagree on that. <laughs> let's let, let let the listeners decide whether okay. there's a huge difference in the middle for Inter Miami if Jay Chapman or if Blaise Matuidi plays. I say there's not a big deal. Both of them rely a lot on Gregory. Gregory does the job for both of them, and they just are a complement right next to him. Hey, That's my Hey, I didn't say huge. I'm smiling right now, by the way. But I didn't, I didn't say huge difference. I just said that there's a notable difference, and I think it's for the worse when Blaise Matuidi's in there as opposed to Jay Chapman, and I think a lot of the goals we've seen over the course of the season are testaments to that. But quickly, Jose... What's your prediction for this game? Does Inter Miami keep its season alive with another victory, or do they suffer a draw or a loss that will pretty much all but end their season? It's going to be a win for Inter Miami, and it is going to be a big one. It's going to be 4 0. Inter Miami, Pipite Wayne scores a hat trick. Wow. And the goal, the fourth goal will be, guess what? Blaze Matuidi will score for you. <laughs> okay. And he'll look at the press box, <laughs> point at the press box, and he won't be looking for me. Guess who will be looking for <laughs> He'll be looking for me? Oh, man, all right. So I got to make sure I wear, like, a camouflage suit. You know, I like to wear my suits to the games. I'm going to have to wear a camouflage suit so he can't see me. Um, no, look, uh, honestly, you know, you said it earlier in the pod. We call it like we see it on here. And we tell what we think is, you know, our truths or how we view things. And I unfortunately think with the lack of defensive solidity that they'll have, just the inexperience and just the lack of understanding that Makuna and Mabika will have, I think we're going to see a 2-2 draw. I think it'll be, it'll make for a, a great spectacle. 
but I don't know if Inter Miami will have enough at the back to get the job done. And it's not not even necessarily just a question of their individual skills. I think it's more about them understanding each other and being on the same page as a tandem. Because Inter Miami didn't even practice today, Friday. They didn't even practice today to to work through you know different moments or even do any ball work. From what Inter Miami has said publicly, they did no ball work and they just trained in the gym today. It's why the the portion of practice that we were supposed to go and be able to see was was canceled. We didn't get to see any of practice today because apparently they did not practice. So, you know, just going off of that, I think it's going to be a very tough challenge for Mabika and Makun to just stay that, to keep it that tight at the back. I think they will give up chances. I think FC Cincinnati, I think they'll score two, and I think it'll end up in a in a frustrating, disappointing 2-2 draw that, that, practically ends the season i know that's probably a bit of a debbie downer but that's just how i see it that's just how i see it i just don't know if that tandem can hold up hey if they do it will be an immense kudos immense props to them and immense props props to phil neville for being able to get them to get the job done uh on such short notice because again they didn't train on friday thursday was a recovery day for mccoon so they practically never really worked together as a center back pairing so something to keep an eye on and that's why i think it's the key to the game on saturday but let's take a, another quick break we have our q a session we'll keep it short but because we had a lengthy one last time but we have our q a session we'll do that after this Okay, PS5 Jose, it's Q&A time. I haven't called you by your nickname on this pod. I don't know if you noticed that or not yet, but I don't, I, I, do you like the nickname or do you think we should call you something else? Because you have your PS5. It started as a joke because you didn't have a PS5, so I was calling you PS4 Jose as a tease, and now I'm calling you PS5 Jose. I've seen some people use it, some some listeners use it in, in other other social platforms, but I don't know if, if you like the nickname, if you want to change it. I like the nickname, and, okay. and if listeners like it, let, let's let's roll with it. Okay, and there's history behind it, so you know, next season when you know we have new listeners, they'll be like, "Why is he called PS Five Jose?" You know, people have to have to <laughs> explain the story of how you became the famed PS Five Jose. But anyway, Jose, first question comes from Don Cafecito. He says, "Your thoughts on the rumored Brazilians, Gene Mota and Rafael Veiga, making their way to Miami?" So this is a report that came out from Brazil, or reports that came out from Brazil this week about these two Brazilian players that Inter Miami is reportedly in negotiations with. So, Jose, I'll let you start, but I will say before you go, where there's smoke, there's fire. And if there's that much smoke coming out of Brazil, I think there's definitely some truth to it. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, especially with Inter Miami, because you know, the, there are so many rumors out there, you know, every other week, you know, it's uh, James Rodriguez or Falcao. I think those two are always on the list, right? So, but this time, you know, it seems a lot more credible, although I saw a few reports that, you know, actually linked one of the players with Miami FC and not with Inter Miami, which is something that happens as well very often internationally. But... um Listen, I'm going to have to do my homework with uh, these two guys when it comes to uh, what they bring to the table on the field. 
But um, anytime you look at the at a Brazilian player, and I think we've seen it with Gregory this year, you know, expectations should be high. You know, there's a lot of quality quality football there, and and uh, I'll, I'll do my homework, and uh, I promise next podcast I'm not going to talk about because I don't like to talk a lot about rumors, and you'll learn that about me <laughs> in the pod. I, I'm not the I'm not your guy for rumors. I, I will talk about how they play and how they can benefit the team on the field. That's my style. So just put it to put it out there. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. A, a man that's, you know, has his defined lines here. I like it. I like yeah. it. I just rumors, you know, especially with inter Miami rumors sometime. Yeah. They don't sometime, stop. They don't stop. Yeah. They don't stop. And they get me, they get me upset a little bit because <laughs> why? You know, why? I read so many things out there. That you know, it makes no sense at all. And people that write a lot about Inter Miami and they have yet to watch a minute of of the team on the field. But you know, Inter Miami gets you clicks, and you know, I, I understand that. Well, look, I, I think part of it. I don't want to get you know off on a side tangent here, but I think part of it, you know, especially with the bigger name players, I think part of it is negotiation tactics and negotiation ploys from agents. You know, they they fill out or they filter out. Maybe not true information to reporters, uh, you know, close to them on other parts of the world, and it helps raise the value in their in their player in their uh, client, right? It raises their value. If you know, oh, Miami, David Beckham's team is after this player, then maybe a different team is going to bid a little bit more or pay the player a little bit more, and in turn, the agent gets a little bit more. So I think there's an element of that. I saw that firsthand with the New York Red Bulls when I first started covering them. You know, in the in 2012, they were linked to a lot of names like Inter Miami is now, just because they were one of those flashier, sexier teams at that time. At least from a, from a brand perspective and from a worldwide perspective. But anyway, going back to the two Brazilian players, look, I, I think there's some truth to it. Gregory obviously has come in this year. That was a Chris Henderson uh, move, so I think that there is some truth to it. And thankfully for for you, Jose, you don't have to do as much homework because I had a sit down with Gregory. Today, I had to sit down, a one-on-one interview with him, spoke to him uh, in my Portuñol, which is not the best, but he, he understood me. And I asked him about the players, and, and he specifically knew about Gene Mota. He knew about him because he said the two had played together at Santos, and he said he's a, he's a good central midfielder, a number eight. He, he called him a number eight in Portuguese that can also play as a left back. So just based off of that description, I was like, you know what? That sounds to me, I didn't tell him this, this is just what I thought in my head. I was like, that sounds to me like the exact type of player that Inter Miami is going to be going to be looking for this offseason because, you know, obviously Blaise Matuidi hasn't cut it as a DP in that center of the park. So I think if they can find a Brazilian central midfielder that can play the eight and give them more than Blaise Matuidi does and can also be cover at left back, I think that's definitely, certainly a player that they'd be interested in. And I, I have to imagine that they're that they're after him, but that's... That's just my supposition from the outside that's not information. It's just me reading between the lines from what we do know. And the, and as for as for uh, Vega, he's a, he's a more of an attacking midfielder. So ideally, or in theory, not ideally, in theory, he would probably be taking Rodolfo Pizarro's spot if they can get rid of Rodolfo Pizarro. So I absolutely think that there's, there's truth to these rumors. Next question comes from Elder Bar. Do you feel there was improvement because of the change in formation in the last game, or is Toronto just a wreck of a team? Can you review who needs to lose for us to get to seventh if we win with what's left? Does Rodolfo need to agree to terms 
if sold for less, or can he refuse? So a lot in there from Elder Bar. Jose, tackle one of those questions, and I'll tackle the other. You you can have your pick at them. All right, I'll go with uh, um, you know the win against Toronto. I think you have to give credit. Of course, you're playing. Um, and, you know, not exactly one of the top teams in the league, but I think the performance, and we mentioned this early on in the pod, um, you give credit. I think you give credit to Inter-Miami for the performance, and you give credit for uh, to Phil for changing the formation, which is something that he did not want wanted to do just a few weeks ago, but he came to mind that it, it was needed, and, and we have to give credit um, to the coaching staff and to the players for a good performance. So, yeah. Give, give them credit. So I will touch on the sacar la calculadora part, the, the take out the calculators part. He, he wants to know who, who needs to lose. Look, right now Inter Miami is on 35 points. In sixth place is Montreal with 42. And seventh is DC United with 41. We'll leave it with just seventh place to make the math easier. So that's six points, right? The Inter Miami has to, has to make up in order to get to that last playoff spot. But it's not just about the six points, right? Because they have 12 still up for grabs, and they could easily get six, they could get nine, they could get 12. But it's about how many points the other teams get, right? It's the, the fate of Inter-Miami is not completely in their hands. So DC United would have to slip up, right, in a big way. New York City, who is in eighth place, which is in eighth place, also has 41 points. They would need to slip up. The New York Red Bulls, who have a game in hand, they did not play on Wednesday night during MLS's busy slate, they have 40 points. If they, you know, games in hands don't necessarily mean points, automatic points, but if they win their their next game, that puts them at 43. So the New York Red Bulls are also in the mix, and you have to watch out what they're doing. Columbus is also ahead of Inter-Miami with 38. So another team that is in the mix as well. So a lot of teams have to slip up in addition to Inter-Miami winning, which is why it's a very, very tough challenge. Phil Neville has more than once now called it a, a monumentous or a mountain of a, of a climb for the team. It's, it's a steep challenge. It would take, I've said, I think I said this on Wednesday, it would take two miracles for Inter-Miami to make the postseason. At least that's, you know, that's my opinion. I think that's the team's opinion as well, because if they have a mountain to climb, it's obviously not, not very easy for them. So it's definitely going to be a tough challenge, but you know, it's, it's sports and, and unpredictable things or wild things can happen in sports. And quickly, just to touch on your on your last question about Rodolfo, does he need to agree to terms if he's sold for, for less? I mean, you, you normally want a player to go somewhere where, he's, where he wants to go or where he's happy going, right? Like you normally sell a player, but he has to come to terms with that team in terms of his contract, etc. So, you know, can he refuse? I mean, he could be unhappy about going somewhere and then I don't think that team's going to want to buy him if he's unhappy. So, you know, I don't know if he can refuse outright, but obviously, you know, that, that the player's viewpoint is definitely taken into consideration when, when selling. It's not like, you know, NFL or NBA style where you can just trade and, and the player just has to go and do it. Like, they have more say when it comes to, to being bought out, et cetera, et cetera. But next question. There is, one, there is one thing, though, to keep in mind when it comes to Pizarro, and it's the World Cup. Right. Uh, Mexico will, will will qualify to the World Cup, and Pizarro wants to be in the World, World Cup because he has been a part of of, of the Mexican national team in the last few Absolutely. years, especially with, with Tata Martino taking over. So, you know, um, he's going to want to go to a place that he actually gets minutes, 
and, and that he's actually, you know, an important part of that team because uh, he's you can tell that he's an important part of, of Inter Miami, but he he's not playing right now. So if he keeps this uh, trend, he's not going to be in the World Cup. So that's also something to keep in mind. Definitely, definitely. I think, and I think that's one of the reasons why he'll he'll be more than willing to go somewhere else because he needs to get playing time and he needs to to move probably in order for that to happen uh, and to boost his chances of getting to to the World Cup roster, which I imagine is a is an ambition of his. But obviously, not, not not he hasn't come out and said that. But I imagine it's a it's a safe bet. Next question Here's, comes. From- Here's the question, though: What if Pepita retires? I, st- I still think they're they're going to try to get rid of all three DPs. I don't think they bring they bring Rodolfo back. I don't think. Yeah, because of the uh, of the sanctions and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I just I just don't think you know that he fits Phil Neville and Chris Henderson's vision. You know, he was brought on board by the previous regime. Diego Alonso is Diego Alonso's handpicked guy, and Paul McDonough. So, just don't think he fits with what they want. And I think that they they definitely want to get someone that can be a little bit more productive or that plays a different different style than, than Pizarro does. But next question comes from Atlante Herons. Is Inter-Miami going to get a mascot or should fans continue to expect entertainment in the form of Neville's ridiculous comments? Wow. So <laughs> Atlante Herons, even with Wednesday's win, is still not in, uh, still not been won over by Phil Neville. But look, Inter-Miami going to get a mascot? I, th- I know, I think you're saying that, you know, in jest, tongue-in-cheek. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to get a mascot. As for Neville's comments, you know, I don't, I don't know which ones you're, you're referring to right now. I did think, and you know, it was honest and candid, but I, you know, I was a bit surprised that he he shared that Robbie Robinson had diarrhea today. Did you? Were you surprised by that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think that's too much information. But <laughs> hey, no, no, never too much information. We are we are media members. We want the information. I was just surprised that he was that candid about it. Um, you know, with regards to Robbie's situation. Why, though? Describe it in a different. I don't know. I think if he had if he had said that you know he had stomach problems or something like that, not feeling well, I think we we could all have assumed what was going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Listen, no, Phil's a nice guy. Phil's a nice guy. You know, um, I think I I do agree that you know sometimes um, he he gets frustrated and and I think especially the situation with the referees just a few weeks ago um, it's part of the game uh, I think you know Phil wants to win as much as the fan base wants Inter Miami to win um, he has an added pressure as well because of David Beckham we all know there's a relationship there and if the time comes that David Beckham tells Phil you know, to move on or, or the team needs to move on, you know, that's that's not a conversation that you want to have. So, listen, Phil's a nice guy. Um, he needs to do a better job with the team. We need better results. You need a, a, a much better performance. But at the end of the day, I think I think it's working really hard in it. And if it doesn't happen, I think it, it's not all on him. It's also on the players and, 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 and especially on that first – Inter Miami year, all the sanctions and, and all the things that were done, uh, not the way they were they were supposed to. You know, it's it, it's a long process for Inter Miami to get where they want to be. As critical as I have been of Phil Neville throughout the course of this season for different things, whether it's tactically or, or whatever, I will not criticize him for being honest in today's press conference. You know, it's it's it's, it's what we want out of coaches. We want the the insight, the honesty. Uh, and the candidness, and you know, he was very candid. So, 
I was surprised that he was that candid, but you know, I appreciate the the, the honesty. So we'll not criticize Phil Noble for that. But last question comes from Trent Krim. And it says, can't wait for the episode on what moves you'd like to see this offseason, especially considering sanctions. I tried to work some ideas out, but hard with allocation figures. Actually think we can field a decent 11 based on who else is out there. Just not sure how to get there. So obviously we will we will do that. We will tackle that in an episode. We're probably going to wait until the season ends because there's still games to talk about regardless of you know whether Inter Miami's in or out of the, the playoff picture. There will be different developments on the field, and that will make up the bulk of the, the next few episodes. But once the season is over, fully expect us to dive into and sink our teeth into this offseason and you know which players should come back, which players should not, how Inter Miami can make it work, etc., etc. And that will be, there will be a full episode dedicated to that, and mostly that because obviously it's a very... Big talking point with Inter Miami this this winter, this offseason. So fully expect that to come in the next few weeks. That does it for the Q&A session. Unless you had something you wanted to add there, Jose. No, just, you know, share the excitement because I think, you know, it's going to be a busy offseason. Um, we're we're going to see a lot of moving parts. And, um, you know, I, I think that's the start this year. It's been challenging, but as we move forward, I think the team should should start showing the fan base where they want to go, and this is a good start. The offseason should be a very good start, um, and it's going to be really interesting. So I, I can wait to talk about the moves and 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 where the team is going. The fact that some of you know some fans are already looking ahead to next year, as opposed to you know maybe the the playoff push or trying to still be in it. I mean, I think that that just speaks to how some fans perceive this team as just not being good enough overall, which is a fair assessment because the team hasn't been great this year. Um, obviously, they're still alive. Probably not going to make it, but they're still alive. But, you know, people are already looking to next year because they, you know, they, they want to see a better team than what was put out there this year. But anyway, that does it for the Q&A session. Let's give our final thoughts and we'll wrap up this pod. Jose, you can start and then I'll go and we'll wrap up the pod after that. All right, my final thought, it's it's, it's related to the fans. Um, oh, you know, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say something about Miami FC. I'm surprised. No, not Miami FC, although uh, next pod I'll talk about Miami <laughs> okay. okay. There's something going on there. Yeah, it's but, weird. <laughs> uh, I just, I just want to give, uh, you know, I've been covering soccer in South Florida for a while now, and um, and um, I, I, I've been in stadiums where we have – what 500 fans and some of the time when a big big celebrity or not celebrity big time player like raul came over um i was in games that you know we had 11,000 fans and we thought that was amazing so um i just want to remind fans in south florida that what we have right now with inter miami it, it, it's something that was years away just a few months ago so go out there and enjoy the game you know they may not play at a high level but for the people that have been here for a while just enjoy um, the last few games you know when when you go back into the season and um, and you look at this team you also have to find a sense of um, you know how great it is to have MLS back in South Florida. So just go to the games, 
enjoy, have a good time, enjoy the stadium. Uh, hopefully they get you a win or three points. And I'm telling you this, Franco, because uh, of, of what I saw as I was coming out of the stadium, the excitement in the fans, the people wearing uh, the Inter-Miami colors, the jerseys. And um, I kind of reflect on that a little bit on, on Wednesday and that excitement that was not here for a while and now is here. So we only have a few games left in the schedule and it's going to be a long time because, you know, it's not a quick turnaround in MLS when it comes to the offseason. So enjoy the games, go to the stadium tomorrow night and have a lot of fun. So my final thought, well, beyond the Miami FC topic, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because I think it's an interesting talking point because you just you, you mentioned it to me before we started the pod. And that, that is that in their most recent game against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, an own goal was scored, but then it wasn't scored because the referees just decided it wasn't an own goal. And now a corner kick's going to, to take place instead. So that's very strange for a professional league and for a fit and officiating crew. Like that sounds like to me, that sounds like peewee soccer. Like that's something that you would see at, you know, at little kids in a park that, you know, they're like, okay, let's not, let's not have that player have an own goal to his name or her name. Let's, let's, let's do a corner kick instead. I don't know. That's very strange to happen on a professional level. That game is going to be replayed from that minute of when the own goal happened because it did finish in a draw with the, without the own goal. It was finished and it ended in a draw, but the goal is going to be given and the game is going to be replayed from that minute onward in a very strange situation in American soccer and in it has South Florida ties to it. That gives, though, an opportunity um, to Miami FC to still play for second place in the group, in the division, I should say, which means they could actually host a playoff game. So, you know, as of right now, it's not looking very good because they're down by one goal, but <laughs> they're able to score two goals in 24 minutes. This could end up being a good thing for Miami FC. Right. They have another chance, right? They have another chance at it, even though it's, you know, it's not, not necessarily in their favor. They will have an opportunity to try to turn it around. So I guess it is a, a blessing in disguise somewhat. Very strange though. Just a very strange turn of events in 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 usl there but anyway that does it for this week's pod we talked quite a bit about inter miami and even had some talking points about miami fc we'll be back again in a matter of a few days because inter miami has the weekend game we will review and recap that one as well as preview the next match which will be on another quick turnaround next wednesday so Expect to hear our voices again very soon. Thank you guys again so much for listening. For Jose Armando, I am Franco Penizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again very, very